Get excited for Health 2.0's 11th Annual Fall Conference and save $100 with this promo code, FALL17ROCKET. That's F-A-L-L-1-7-R-O-C-K-E-T. one seven R O C K E T. At this one-of-a-kind conference, you'll discover the latest innovation and hear the hottest topics and trends in health tech. Join 2,000 decision makers, including healthcare providers, developers, investors, and startups, as they gather to see over 200 live product demos, 100-plus thought leaders, and 10 new company launches. Visit outcomesrocket.com slash health two zero that's outcomesrocket.com slash health two zero and use promo code fall 17 rocket to get $100 off of this outstanding and exciting event. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, the show where healthcare leaders and influencers get together to defeat the common enemy, which is bad outcomes. You know, we every single day that we wake up in the morning, we wake up with the choice of doing something about the system or just complaining about it. And if you're listening to this show, something tells me deep in my gut that you've decided that you're an action taker. And just like the folks on the show, they are also action takers. Today, I have one of the best action takers in the industry. His name is Peter Valenzuela. He's a doctor, a chief medical officer for Subtle Medical Group in the Redwoods. He's given national and international presentations on topics related to change management, healthcare innovation, and physician leadership development. Peter was previously named Physician Executive of the Year by the Medical Group Management Association and the American College of Medical Practice Executives. In his spare time, Dr. Velazuela is a medical satirist with a webcomic about hilarious lives of clinicians, staff, and administrators working in a large health system. You could find that at www.doc dash related.com. And we'll also include that in the show notes so you could check out his work. It's really, really funny, actually. But with that, I want to open up the mic to Peter here and have him fill in any of the gaps that I may have missed in the intro. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And, and one of the first things that I like to kick off the show with, Peter, is why did you decide to get into the medical sector? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, my whole life, I've, I've been drawing since I was a kid. I actually used to love to draw growing up and I love to make houses and, and be really creative with that. I always thought I was going to be an architect growing up. And so I spent a lot of time wow. doing that. And then when I was 15 years old, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Wow. And over the course of two years, I was really exposed to different aspects of healthcare as well as its impact on families. And it really inspired me to change what I initially wanted to do, which was be an architect and go into the medical field. Wow. And so it was this opportunity to be able to touch lives. And, and, you know, you had a very personal thing with your mom that really sparked that difference in your career path. So as you dove into it, and it's a long road to really to where you're at now, what is it that, that inspires you to keep going? Because I find that a lot of people decide to get in and then give up. What is it that inspires you to keep going? Well, I think when it comes to physicians, most of them are innately driven, kind of naturally. We tend to be really competitive. We want to be at the top of everything. And so you have your own kind of inner inspiration. You have that kind of resilience, that grit component that gets you through. But it's also the desire to want to help other people and help them in ways that maybe their, you know, other individuals can't. And that has to do with their health, which has such a dramatic impact in patients and their families. 
Huge. And so as you've taken on various different leadership roles now in your career, you've, you've become a proven leader in medicine, Peter, and, and I want to congratulate you for all the stuff that you've done. In your experience, what do you feel a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you and your organization doing to tackle that? Sure. You know, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's really, you know, I touched on resilience and probably one of the biggest challenges we're having right now is physician burnout and dealing with well-being. You know, if you read an article in most medical journals or you look at the news, you know, one of the most common things that comes up is physicians' dissatisfaction with providing care the way they have to now and, and the bureaucracies that are inherent with it. I mean, for example, I was in, in clinic yesterday afternoon and I finished my last patient around 5.30 and I I chartered for another two hours before I could go home. You know, wow. that's just kind of the norm now for physicians. And so for us, it's been a really big target is how do we address that resiliency point? How do we address the well-being of our physicians? You know, there's documentaries that are coming up that are talking about that. There's a documentary that I saw on Kickstarter recently called Do No Harm. And it talks about the suicide rates being two to three times higher for physicians than they are for the normal population. So that is kind of the big driver for us. It's a big passion. And we've actually made some, some positive headwinds related to addressing those components. And can you give us an example of, of some of the things that you've done there to help with this? Sure. We put together a well-being committee that's made up of physicians within our medical group. You know, just to give you background on that our medical awesome. group. Yeah, we're about 125 multi-specialty physicians and clinicians. We practice throughout Sonoma County. So on the plus side, we are in the Wine Valley, and that, that seems to help somewhat with stress. But, <laughs> you know, on the downside, it's also one of those things that we have to keep addressing. And so what our well committee did was put together a plan on how are we going to help our group culture as well as the overall wellness of our doctors. And we actually developed a three-prong approach. We broke it up into the personal components for the physician, and it includes things like uh, mentoring. It includes uh, having a buddy system to help onboard those physicians, employee assistance programs. And then we have professional components. It includes continuing medical education. We have people who are gurus with our IT system and EMR, and they actually will sit down with those people and try to find out what are the biggest challenges. But also one of the things that we've done that's had a major impact for our group has been addressing medical missions. We have some physicians that really have a need to want to get back to the roots of why they got into healthcare. And what we do within our medical group is we've told our physicians, if you decide you wanna go overseas or out of the country to provide a medical mission, we're willing to pay up to $2,500 of that. If you agree to come back and give us a presentation at an all group meeting so you can talk about your learnings. And that's been very well received. We've had physicians go to India, to Africa, to Asia, and the impact they have there is great. But what it does for our group is it kind of reinvigorates us to why we're doing what we're doing. You know, as a second arm to that, we developed a, a charitable contribution campaign where we have monies put aside within our medical group and our physicians and clinicians who may have a charity that they're passionate about or a program that their kid is doing can actually apply and we've agreed to give them up to $2,500 for something they're passionate about. And it's those small things that help. We also have a social hour. So we get together socially. Being in the wine country, there's never a, a loss for things to do. You know, right. you've always got these wine tastings and, and sunsets and, and we get together socially as a group. And the, another thing we put together, I'm getting excited because I'm so passionate about oh, I this. I think it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things we put together is the significant others group. You know, the things that we take for granted is we're spending long hours working and we may have 
people at home who are waiting for us, who really don't have something to do and also feel at a loss. They may not have contacts. They may not have a social relationship with the new community, especially if they're new physicians. And we put together a significant others group that includes them where they meet regularly and they come up with activities for themselves as well as activities for the medical group. You know, we've had Halloween parties for the medical group. We've had car shows, events for the medical group. And this has all been coordinating through our significant others as well. That's huge, Peter. And I love what you're doing there. You are a leader to the core. And what you're doing is everybody talks about healthcare, but I think the thing that you're doing so well is putting the care in healthcare and starting with your physicians first. And one of the things that really, you know, we can't do as you talk about this point of resilience is you got to have your gas tank full if you're going to help others. You can't run on an empty tank. And so Outcomes Rocket listeners, I want to encourage you to think about this concept. Have you put a well-being committee into place. You got to make sure that there's ways to make it part of the institution, part of the governance of the hospital, if you're really going to do a good job of keeping physicians out of burnout. And Dr. Valenzuela here has shared so many just tips and tricks of how to do it, that if you're listening to this, the beauty of the podcast is that you could always rewind or, or listen to it again. But he mentioned some outstanding points. And I hope that you took some notes because, uh, I saw the, the fire in his eyes and, and maybe, uh, Peter, is there some uh, feedback that you've gotten from your group that tells you this is working? Sure. There's a lot of studies that show that physicians who are burnout have statistically may have lower quality levels, lower patient satisfaction. They may decrease their hours so they're less productive because they just can't keep up. And you have high turnover rates. And so these all have uh, patient care impacts, they have quality of care impacts, and they have financial impacts to organizations. And what we've done is we've tracked our patient satisfaction, we've tracked our provider satisfaction, we've tracked our quality metrics, as well as our turnover rates. And statistically speaking, our medical group is above the 90th percentile in patient satisfaction. Our physician satisfaction went from Four years ago, before we started this program, we were about, and it was, it was, we were at the cellar. And I'll be really, really, really clear with you. We were probably about the 15th percentile when it came to leadership and, and communication. And we're now at the 76th percentile. Wow. The collegiality scores that we have for our physicians was less than 20th percentile three to four years ago. It's above the 75th percentile now. And so our, doc- our doctors are feeling better about where they work. They're feeling better about the people they work around. And their families are also really, really appreciative because they've been included in the process as well. Well, Peter, my new nickname for you is the architect of physician well-being. Because <laughs> even, though you, even though you went into medicine, you, you're still an architect. You're creating the pathways, the blueprints, and then just following it. So now you are the architect of physician well-being. <laughs> you know, so well, I have to laugh when I hear you say that because a few years ago, I had told my wife that I had originally wanted to be an architect. And I pulled out some of my drawings of buildings and structures that I had done when I was a kid. And, and my wife looked at them and then she kind of looked at me and said, I'm really glad you decided to go into medicine instead. <laughs> so I may not have been the most successful architect out there. <laughs> uh, that is too funny, man. Hey, well, you know, I love that you say that in a very lighthearted way. And it takes us to the next question that I had here, Peter. You know, a lot of times I believe that we learn more from our setbacks than our successes. In your career and your experience in the healthcare industry, can you share a time when, when you had a mistake or setback? And what you learned out of that? Can you take Boy, us to that moment? Gosh. 
it's hard to limit it to just one, but, <laughs> you know, I, the I most think impactful. It, well, I, I would say, you know, in my career, I've gone from, from private practice to academic medicine to multi-specialty medical groups. And now I work in a large integrated delivery system. And it's just kind of been the trajectory of my career. One of the things that I've learned is that sometimes you can make a guarantee or a promise to somebody that others may prevent you from achieving. And what I'm saying is, I'm going to give you an example. You know, we had two clinics, two care centers that were relatively close to each other. And they were the same specialties as primary care. And we thought as an organization, in order to save money, we should merge the two care centers. And so we could get rid of one lease. And our ultimate plan was to build a new care center updated with all of the high-tech gear and stuff for them to have within the next year. And so my role as a physician was to help serve as the liaison and advocate in helping the physicians understand how merging the care centers would be beneficial, how it would be something that would actually result in a, in a nicer, larger care center in the near future. And so through my relationship with the physicians, they agreed and they, they came together. And within the year, our organization decided to freeze all capital. And so these physicians who had been essentially promised a care center had to be told, hey, look, you know, we know we said we were going to do this, but it's been put on hold. And they really couldn't understand that because when you say you're going to do something and you have a strong relationship with somebody, it's powerful enough to drive you to make changes. Yes. And when you feel like they're letting you down, it really, really kind of uh, erodes that trust that you may have built with them. And I can tell you that it was really difficult for me to feel like I was going in with my tail tucked between my legs and talking to these physicians and trying to explain to them that, you know, we were in a financial crunch as a large organization and capital had been frozen. And I got to tell you, you know, one of my biggest lessons is being careful what you can promise and how you have conversations because it can have long-term impacts on, on you as well as the people that you've influenced. Absolutely, Peter. And you really do have to be careful what you promise. Take a note from Peter's book here. And and so, Peter, what happened afterwards? What did you do? Because, you know, to recuperate trust is difficult. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you did. And maybe we could take another pearl of wisdom there from you sharing. So, you know, one of the things that I tried to do was get really lateral with the organization because they started prioritizing projects. And so I kind of lobbied at the higher table to help propel this care center up on the priority list and help them understand how it was going to benefit the organization overall, as well as the negative impact it was going to have on the people if we hadn't. You know, I I recently read a study that said that 16% of all strategic decisions are impacted by the people who are going to be affected by it, which means organizations only ask people that are going to be affected 16% of the time. But 84% of the time, it's done in a silo without their involvement. And it's, you know, that's pretty kind of heart-wrenching when you think about it. It is. And it sounds like you, you stepped away from this. You did what you could to recuperate the trust. But the big takeaway is make sure you, you temper what you promise. And if possible, try to go beyond that 16% and try to get as many stakeholders involved as possible. I couldn't agree more. And I, I really couldn't stress that more. And that, that statistic is actually a healthcare organization statistic. Wow. That's uh, truly gut-wrenching. Yeah. I'm sure wrong. people will ask for to cite it, and I'm happy to share with that with you later. I just can't think about it off the top of my head. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and we'll have an opportunity to, for you to provide the best way 
for them to contact you. And so we'll definitely open that up to the group here. Peter, we went to the darkness and now let's go to the light. Share with us a moment that is one of your most proudest moments in, in medical leadership. Sure. That moment. I would say probably a couple of years ago, and, and you know, and it's a proud moment for a, a near win and not a win. It okay. was just a, a measure. I joined this organization almost four years ago, and, and in my first 90 days, I put together a plan that I thought would help our medical group get better. And about a year ago, we applied for uh, the American Medical Group Association's Acclaim Award, which is kind of like the highest level award you can give to medical groups in healthcare in the United States. It's, it's analogous to a Baldrige Award for hospitals and other organizations. Got it. And they had two categories. There was, group, there was a category for groups over 150, and there was a category for groups under 150. And, you know, our medical group's 125. And so we applied, and, and we actually did not win, but we were informed that we came in runner-up for this wow. award. And I think for us, it kind of gauged where we were three and four years ago and how far we've traveled during those last two to three years that has really helped us become better as a medical group and drive the culture as well as the well-being of our physicians. That's huge. And you, so you came in number two out of how many? I don't know how many applicants they had, but yeah. you know, there's, sure, there's literally th- thousands of thousands. medical groups in the country. So, um, and, and it's usually the upper tier. I mean, some of the winners have been, you know, Mayo and and Geisinger, Advocate, and Sharps, you know, Sharpie Steely, you know, all, Cleveland Clinic, all these organizations that you read about. Those yes. have been some of the winners. And I love the, the message that you had uh, embedded in that share, Peter, is that you have the standards of others that would potentially lead to a prize, but then you also have the standards of your own organization and your own measurements. Yeah. And while you didn't win, you took the, the baseline of where you were to now where you're at in almost yeah. winning. Yeah. The improvements that you guys made were, I'm sure, really dramatic. And kudos to you guys for improving the culture and just the systems and the well-being of your physicians to get there. Thank you. As you work to affect change in, in the business that we're in, maybe I'd love to just learn about a project or focus that you guys are working on today and maybe share it with us so that the other people across the country or even the world could learn from it. You know, one of the things that we're doing within our medical group is, is we're trying to take a page from Google. You know, one of the things that Google does with their employees is they allow them 20% of their time to do other projects that may not be directly related to their work. And so within our medical group, what we've started doing is asking our physicians, what are the other passions you have related to care that you could be doing that you're not doing now? And as an example, in our primary care departments, you know, we have some physicians that go and work one or two half days at a community health center providing those services. We have some physicians who rotate through residency training program that we have here as part of educators. We have others who are actually looking at rotating in some of our other specialty clinics to increase their skills, including in orthopedic surgery and OBGYN. So it's that removing the monotony of what you do day to day and exposing you to something else so that you can feel a sense of achievement and reward doing what you're doing without feeling so burnt out doing the same thing over and over again. That's excellent. You know, this cross-pollination, Peter, I feel like we could definitely do a better job of, it sounds like you're doing a really nice job of it over there at Redwoods, just taking a page from from a tech company like Google. Yeah. What are they doing? This, this thing that you're doing, I feel like is reawakening the passions from within and just getting them to be more passionate about what they do. Sure, exactly. I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and you gave us some really concrete examples of how, how it's working. And I hope that 
you've gained, actually gotten people to get inspired to do the same thing. And my mm -hmm. encouragement to the listeners is that if you took a note from Peter's book, that you just reach out and you reach out and say, hey, Peter, thank you so much for that idea. I put it into practice and this is what happened because ultimately it's these connections that are going to lead to really a further flourishing of the medical community. And so, Peter, thanks for sharing. Thank you so much, So. And so you know, here in the next section, Peter, as we get close to the end, I know time flies. I wish I had an hour with you. That's been so much fun. Let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. It's the 101 sure. course, the ABCs of Dr. Peter Valenzuela. And yeah. so what you and I will do, this is going to be kind of like a lightning round. I have four questions for you and I'll get some quick answers from you and then we'll finish it up with a favorite book that you recommend to our listeners. You down with that? Sure. Sounds good. Excellent. So here we go. First one, what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? For me, it would have to be patient engagement. I think we as clinicians and physicians really only impact 10% of the overall well-being of a person. You know, there are social aspects, there are cultural aspects, there are environmental aspects, and, and there's really that engagement part for the patient. The touch point that we have, as much money as we spend in healthcare on the well-being of patients, we really only play a very small part of that. And if we can engage patients in better understanding their own conditions, that's going to be a major step towards driving positive outcomes. Huge. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid while doing that? I would say the biggest pitfall to avoid would be not including their families. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the room with a patient where I've explained something to them and they say, can you make sure and print this out? Because I know my wife or my spouse or my daughter or someone is going to want to know what it was you said so they can help me with it. That is huge, huge, yeah. huge. How do you stay relevant in the process despite all this constant change? You have to keep reading and you have to keep exposing yourself to what are some of the better practices out there. Bring in speakers who may be either in healthcare or even outside of healthcare to help you see things in a different way. If you don't do that, you know, you're only going to be doing the same thing all over again. You know, Einstein's method, what he says for insanity, right, is doing the same thing all over and expecting a different outcome. That's such a great point. And when put into this context, I feel like we do fall victims of doing the same thing over and over again because it's proven. Yeah. If we want something different, I love that you put it in this context, Peter. This is, this is a beautiful quote for this context. I love that. Appreciate it. And so what is one area of focus that should drive all else in the practice? You know, I'm going to use a word that's probably going to cause people's toes to curl, but I would say the word affordability. Most organizations are trying to figure out how to provide care in a way that's more affordable to the patient, but also to the organization. As you look at more and more payers and health and plans now, there's high deductibles, there's these large co-pays, and patients just don't have those types of resources. You know, one of the biggest reasons for uh, bankruptcy in the United States is healthcare-related billing yes. and costs. And so for Two us, if we, yeah, if we cannot find a way to provide services in an affordable way, and we can't do it within our organizations, then we're really not going to be able to help the patients we want. Truly, truly. What would you recommend the listeners a book to read at the end of the syllabus? <laughs> so I'm going to be non-traditional. I know yes. that I'm in the healthcare field and I'm a physician. There's actually two books that I represent. One is called Kill the Company by Lisa Bodell. Is it Kill? Kill the company. Kill the company, Lisa and Yeah, and it's really kind of one of these uh, culture change and innovation type books 
that addresses what it is organizations need to do to drive positive change and to affect their customers and patients that they're dealing with. Wow. And the second one? The second one is called Best Practices Are Stupid. <laughs> it's called it's, uh, 40 Ways to Out-Innovate the Competition, and that's by Stephen Shapiro. And I love his non-traditional approach to things on, on how to make sure that you're doing things in a way that's going to make a positive driver for those that you're influencing. That's excellent, Peter. Thank you for sharing. So there you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners. The ABCs to be successful in medicine. It starts with patient engagement. Impact more than that 10%. You got to include patient families. Keep the family in the loop. Stay informed. Bring in speakers. And listen to Einstein. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And finally, affordability. We got to make a find a way to make things more affordable. And Peter, I really want to thank you for sharing these things with us. I'd like to just open it up one more time to you to share a closing thought and the best way that the listeners could get a hold of you. Sure. Thank you. First of all, so thank you so much for making time for me. This has really been uh, fun. <laughs> and, yeah, and actually, nice. that's, that is one of the things that I wanted to close with. You know, one of the ways that I can entertain myself, as well as what I've learned to do with, with entertaining others, is finding a way to joke about the challenges going on in healthcare and really what some of our physicians are going through. And on the side, I've actually created a, a web comic that you mentioned before. It's called Doc Related. And it's doc-related.com. And it's an approach of providing a perspective to what the physicians and clinicians and staff deal with every day in the care centers in a humorous way. So it, it shines a light on our frustrations and things that exasperate us, but it does it in a way that makes you laugh. So I'd, I'd really encourage the listeners to take a look and, and I'd love their feedback as well. That's awesome. So it's doc-related.com. Correct. And I'll be sure to Outcomes Rocket listeners, don't worry about writing it down if you're driving or, or out for a run. I'll be sure to include all of these resources and the pearls of wisdom that, that we've discussed here with Dr. Valenzuela on the website. Go to www.outcomesrocket.com and look for Peter in the search bar and then you'll see his episode pop up with all the links and notes so you could get into this docrelated.com to add a little lightness to your day. <laughs> so, Peter, what's the best way that they could reach you? Uh, email. I've got several email accounts. You can reach me at, you mentioned, Peter at docrelated.com would probably be the easiest. I also okay. have a contact information phone number I'm happy to share, too, as well, if, you, if you'd like. Wonderful. Uh, so. Okay. What we could do is, is if you want to reach Peter, feel free to, for, to email him and then he'll be happy to provide that to you unless you wanted to give it uh, here on the show. So it's um, your call too. That's fine as well. Yeah, sure. I'll give you yeah. my, my cell phone. I'm always successful. Area code 360-305-5015. Love to hear back from, from any of the listeners. Outstanding. So there you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners. The gentleman gave you his phone number. If you feel like you could contribute, collaborate, or just give him a compliment for the great job he's done here today, he's open to it. So take him up on it. And so, Peter, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the opportunity to speak with us today. I really think that the conversations we had will create a really positive ripple effect in what it is to be uh, refueled and engaged as a physician. And so really want to thank you and, uh, and just wish you the best for the rest of your day. Great. Thank you, Saul. I appreciate you taking the time. 
Get excited for Health 2.0's 11th Annual Fall Conference and save $100 with this promo code, FALL17ROCKET. That's F-A-L-L-1-7-R-O-C-K-E-T. one seven R O C K E T. At this one-of-a-kind conference, you'll discover the latest innovation and hear the hottest topics and trends in health tech. Join 2,000 decision makers, including healthcare providers, developers, investors, and startups, as they gather to see over 200 live product demos, 100-plus thought leaders, and 10 new company launches. Visit outcomesrocket.com slash health two zero that's outcomesrocket.com slash health two zero and use promo code fall 17 rocket to get $100 off of this outstanding and exciting event.